Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. Pray that your word would prove yet again for us as a light in the darkness, a lamp to our feet. Our Lord, thank you for the wonderful responsibility we have, not only to study your word and to partake of it, but to broadcast it, Lord, and to share it. May it be in our hearts, Lord, as we live it, and may your word in us rub off on others. In the wonderful name of Yeshua. Amen. Praise God. The title of this message is True Salvation. True Salvation. I'd like you just to turn to a Psalm 25. I'm going to read verse 4 and 5. And then we're going to read a passage from the book of Hebrews. All right. Psalm 25, 4 and 5. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I will wait all the day. You are the God of my salvation. On you I will wait all the day. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. Letter to the Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 1 and I'm going to read to verse 8. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience toward it received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak, in subjection to angels. But one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man, that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man, that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angel. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. How can we neglect so great a salvation? You see, it's very important as children of God to understand this key word, this key word in our belief. And can I just say this? It's not a very easy word to define. In the Bible, there are quite a few words like that. You see, we try the best we can, but we don't have an equivalent word. It's very difficult. You can translate it simply, but you can so easily lose the import. And this morning, I want to just talk about salvation. We've talked about it before, but I want us to have a good understanding of what it is. The writer to the Hebrews encourage the people not to lose sight of the great salvation. You see, now we are in the same boat. It's so easy to lose sight of the greatness of this salvation that has been bought for us. You see, and we can neglect it, but I believe if we have an understanding, a clear understanding, or as far as our minds can grasp, and it's an ongoing revelation, trust me, as far as we can grasp, then we'll be encouraged not to neglect not to neglect. What happens when you neglect something? The garden, for example. When something is neglected, you can't enjoy the benefits of it. Is that right? Especially if it's a vegetable garden. You can't afford to neglect it. Otherwise, no beans, no spuds, nothing. Okay. So you see, the salvation, we've got to understand it. 
We've got to continually expand our minds to understand it more. Let me put it that way. You're all probably sitting here, oh, I know salvation, what it means. Yes, we do. But you see, there's so much to it. And I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to expand our minds. And you see, the reason being that it will encourage us not to neglect it, you see. We have to do something about it. We have to do something about it. It's not something you get and then, well, that's it. I've got it. Tick the box. It's not like that at all. It's ongoing, you see. And if we have a clear understanding of what the salvation is, we'd be prompted to do something about it. And you see, when we don't neglect it, when we tend to our salvation, so to speak, we enjoy the fruit thereof. And not only us, the world around us. Amen. Now, if I can put it very simply, as simply as possible, salvation is godly blessing in every area of our lives. Amen. Salvation, the fullness of salvation is godly blessing in every area of our lives. You see, in every area of our lives. Wholeness, yes, salvation is wholeness in every area of our lives. That's very important to understand. We speak about the Lord Yeshua. Why do we call him Yeshua in this church? Well, that Hebrew name means literally God our salvation. Can you see that? God our salvation. And if you look at the life of Christ, that's exactly what he did. Wherever he went, he brought salvation into the lives of people. Godly blessing at their point of need. Amen? Godly blessing at their point of need. And God had been doing it from time immemorial. Think of the Israelites. Terrible scenario. The nation faces annihilation at the hands of people that hate them. And there's no way out in the natural. Mountains, mountains, sea, and here comes the enemy. They were in a tight spot. If you think you've been in a tight spot, consider that. That must have been terrifying. Terrifying. And here the Egyptians are coming, and you can hear the rumble of the horses in the background. Just remember, you've caused their firstborn children to die. <laughs> so are they full of mercy and tender-hearted goodness? No. But fortunately, they had a leader, Moses, who had the good sense to hear from God. God speaks to me, raise his staff. We know the story. The sea parts. The nation passes on dry ground. They look back. The Egyptians come and they are drowned. That is salvation. Could you say amen? That is salvation. A few weeks later, they're in the wilderness and they are parched. They are dying of thirst. The animals are bleating. I don't know if you've ever heard a thirsty cow, but they make a terrible noise. But the people of Israel are making even a worse noise, complaining to God, by the way. But once again, once again, Moses was instructed, he struck the rock and this water flowed. Amen? And where they've discovered where this water flowed, a very good possibility, there's a massive natural-like trough because, remember, these are millions of people and animals and they're all thirsty. You can't feed them all with a little trickle. You can't satisfy their thirst with one little trickle. God provided a massive outpouring in a massive trough area, natural formation in the rock, so they could come past. And once again, that is salvation. Amen? That is salvation. Later on in Israel's history, many a time, when they were outnumbered by many, many enemies, the one occasion with Hezekiah, God instructs, send out the musicians ahead of the army. They send out the musicians ahead of the army. The army, by comparison, is tiny. 
The opposition is like the sand on the seashore. In the natural, there's no hope whatsoever. It's a lost cause. Logistically, you're done for. But what does God do? He sets the ambushments. And all the Israelites have to do is pick up the spoil. That is salvation. Amen? God's blessing at a point of need. Supernatural provision at a point of need. The needs of humanity being met by God himself. That is salvation. Let me look at the life of Christ. First is that miracle in Cana. I'm not going to go through all the miracles, obviously, but that was a situation. Now, what I'm trying to express is that this salvation applies to every area of life. Not just the great nation-saving business, the warfare business, you understand? Every affair of life. Here we have the simple case where a host who's having a wedding and he realizes to his horror that more guests came than he catered for or the guests that came drank a lot more than he expected them to drink. And he's faced with this possibility of being humiliated by not having sufficient wine. Now here's the miracle. God is interested. Amen. God is interested. And we all know the story. At first the Lord was reluctant, but his mother gave him the nod. And he turns the water into wine. And not just any wine, by the way, the very best. That is salvation. Amen. For that host, the bridegroom, for him, that was salvation. Do you see that? That was salvation. Go forward a bit in the Lord's life. He's walking into a small village called Nain. It's the only time I think in the whole Bible it's ever mentioned. And it's famous for producing a dead son. <laughs> the mother is there. There is the beer, as they call it, and there her son lies cold, and they take him to bury him. Now please understand, in the culture of the day, that wasn't only the end of her relationship with her son, which obviously is highly traumatizing. Not only the end of any hope of seeing him marry and have grandchildren and extended family line, her only son. Not only was that the big issue, but because of his death, she faced complete penury for the rest of her life. Destined to beg. You see, the family was like the insurance policy. Very much like our black culture now. And here she is facing this horrific situation. No future. Devastating heartbreak. But lo and behold, a stranger comes into town and there's something different about this stranger. And he says, why are you weeping? And he, I believe he struck that beer. And he commanded that young man to get up. What I want you now to see on that mother's face. And this is a picture of salvation. Here she is in a situation where what has happened has turned her whole devastating situation completely upside down. Amen? Her son is alive, there's hope, there's a future, life can go on. Amen? Can you see that? That is, for her, salvation. Amen? That's for her, salvation. Can you see how broad this term is? It's not just you and I getting saved. We get to that. And the Lord goes beyond that. We all know this woman of the issue of blood. We've been there so many times. But here she spent 12 years in absolute misery, literally bleeding to death with all the consequences of that. And she crawls through the crowd and she grabs the hem of his garment 
And in that instant, the power of God flows into her body, restores her totally. Her whole life suddenly gets changed upside down. That is salvation. You get it? That is salvation. And Jairus with her there, probably frustrated that she's delayed this thing. His daughter, his precious child, 12-year-old daughter is dying. And then he says, please come and heal her. And he's on his way to do it. And the servants come and tell them, don't bother to come. It's all finished. But the Lord keeps his faith up, as we know the story. And they go in there, chase everybody out, takes the hand. Talitha Kumi, this little girl that was dead, comes back to life. Can you imagine the joy on the parents' faces? Can you imagine? Amen. What I'm trying to illustrate is for them, right there, that was salvation. You see that? Their daughter coming back to life. That was salvation. Think of the woman, bent double, for 18 years. Can you imagine what stress that must have been? Walking into the town, trying to go and do shopping, looking up at everybody, all the children laughing at you, and the pain and the misery. For 18 years, think about it, 18 years. And then this wonderful man comes along, puts his hand on her back. Woman, thou art loosed. And I can just hear all those bones going. <laughs> and her coming up, 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 up. Can you see her face? Oh, my soul. The grin. And she went praising God. Now for her, what was that? That was salvation. Do you see that? Salvation. Even worse, the man by the pool of Bethesda where the angel came and stirred it every now and then. Here he's on a stretch, and he's just hoping somehow when this angel comes, somebody will have the goodness to put him in, but nobody does. Everybody's so interested in their own healing. Can you imagine? 38 years on a stretch. And once again, here comes God, our salvation. What does he do? Pick up your bed and go home. Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. For that man... Having spent 38 years in that misery, let me tell you something, that was salvation. Amen? That was salvation. And then eventually, of course, we all know there are many other miracles along the line, people experiencing salvation, God's wholeness, God's blessing, breaking in onto their lives in practical ways, not just a spiritual blessing, practical healings. Think of that man Zacchaeus, the tax collector, in bondage to this control of money, totally controlled by the need to prove himself because of issues in his life. A money-hungering man, bound with this thing. And he climbs a tree to see this great Messiah everybody's raving about come. And he's fully expecting himself to be ignored because society has ignored him. But no, not the Lord. This stranger comes and looks up. Zacchaeus, come down. And we know the story, he has a big feast there. And in the course of one meal, one meal, this man whose whole life has been controlled by money, stands up and says, I'm giving half my stuff away. Not only that, everybody who I've defrauded, is going to pay them back, not what he stole, but even more. You know what the Lord says? Truly, salvation has come to this home. Do you hear that? The man who was bound by this controlling spirit has suddenly been set free. Salvation has come to his home. Amen? Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful thought? And then, of course, we go to the cross, where God, our salvation, hangs there for six hours, and we all know the story. 
in doing that, what did he do? He purchased for everybody, everybody, salvation in all of its fullness. Amen? Salvation in all of its fullness. Primarily, of course, the salvation of our spirit man being able to move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. God, our salvation, became our salvation. That's why 2,000 plus years later, a disturbed student pretending to study law, confused, not sure what life was all about, facing the prospect of war and the fear involved, knelt by his bed and just gave God the opportunity, just gave him the opportunity, stood his pride aside. In that instant, the spirit man here came alive. Amen? I experienced salvation. Forty plus years later, I'm still in the saddle preaching the word. Isn't that wonderful? But it didn't stop there. This price he paid extended to many areas of my life. A few months later, fighting that war, let me tell you, driving armored vehicle through rural areas, I drove right over a boosted landmine. And nothing happened. How do I know I drove over it? Because the vehicle behind me drove over it and something happened. Amen. But as for me, in my vehicle in the back, a whole lot of mortars, shells, had that thing triggered my soul. I'd be busy feeding all the termites in the Gutu district. The fact that I drove through free, can I tell you something? That was salvation. Amen. That was salvation. Then years later, serving the Lord all on my own, traveling all over the place, coming back to a very empty house, cold, miserable, freezing. Lord, I need a wife. Amen. I need a companion. And then the miracle happened. God brought this beautiful creature into my life. And then that magical moment came where our eyes met. And I knew, this is the one. That, my brothers and sisters, is, capital S, salvation. And then through life, one stage, I mean, battling, 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 for one reason or another, and in my desperation, I'm doing Mr. Delivery. Please don't do Mr. Delivery if you can avoid it. It's not a very viable proposition. But anyway, I was doing it just to put a bit of food on the table at that stage. And I come to the crossroads in the middle of the night and i am lost my way and I've got this food and I start to weep for fear for my family's future. And then the phone goes and the school says, Mr. Barland, we want you to come and teach. That, brothers and sisters, is salvation. Do you understand? You're struggling with your business and you're just trying to get it off the ground and things are not going well and you think everything's against you and then the day comes... When you land that one contract that will keep you going and will set you on a path, that is salvation. Do you all understand? The salvation is a very broad thing. It applies to every area of life. Ongoing relationships, everything. It applies to every area of our lives. Not just the fact that you and I one day will get to heaven. Praise God for that. That is the great thing. So you see, you can understand why the writer to the Hebrews, whoever he was, 
encourage them not to neglect so great a salvation. How can you neglect it? But you see, it's all very well saying, okay, we mustn't neglect it. Well, the question is, what must we do? And can I just say, that's the hallmark of our church. We try as best we can to make things as practical as possible. You see, like many words in the Christian vocabulary, they can become very pedantic, theological, vague, philosophical. The salvation is not just a theory. It's not just a nice thought, a platitude. That's a fancy word, isn't it? A platitude. You know what a platitude is? It's not something that you do with your hair. A platitude is a nice-sounding thought, you see. A platitude. It's not just a, a nice-sounding thought. It's a very practical, functioning ingredient that has to be part and parcel of every area of our lives. Now, how do you and I not neglect it? That's very important, okay? And we've taught this so many times, but I have no qualms teaching it again and again and again and again and again because repetition is the mother of education. We need to have this in our spirit and in our soul. You see, the pattern, if you look very closely at the Bible, is as follows. You have the truth. If you and I act on the truth with wisdom, the godly way of applying the truth, the natural result is salvation. You get that pattern. The starting point has got to be the truth. You must know the truth. Once you and I know the truth, and I'll give examples, but once we know the truth, that's not enough. We have to know how to apply that truth to our particular lives. And it varies, but there's godly wisdom. That's what wisdom is, the application of truth. And here's the beauty of it. If you and I know the truth, we apply it with godly wisdom, the natural result is salvation in every area. In every area. If you know that the Lord Yeshua came to save us from our sin, and you apply that with wisdom, what is the natural result? You will be saved. Do you see that? You will be saved. So you see, for you and I not to neglect this great salvation, our job is to find out in every area of our lives what is the truth. Amen? What is the truth? How do we find the truth? It's a long story, but please understand very simply, truth is what God thinks about it. It's very simple. God thinks certain thoughts, and we need to know what he thinks about something to decide whether it's truth or not. Amen? You see? How do we find out what God thinks? Well, it's an involved process, but fundamentally there are three elements to it. Number one, we must know the person who called himself the truth. Yeshua himself. Amen? If you don't have a relationship with him, I don't care how intelligent, how educated you and I might be, you cannot know the truth. We must know him, because he is the truth, you see. And why is he so important to knowing the truth? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, amen? Can you see that? And what God thinks about something is the truth. And if you look at the lifestyle of Christ, you can find out exactly what God thinks, because he's doing what God thinks. Does that make simple sense? Amen? Unfortunately, we don't have the Lord in his flesh here to follow, but we do have his word. That's the other leg of this whole thing. My word is truth. Amen. My word is truth. What God is saying is what he thinks. Am I right? So obviously it will tie with the truth. So his written word is very important when it comes to finding out what the truth is. The third element I want to mention here, there's another four, but the third element, and it's not an element, it's a person, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth. 
You see, when you and I open ourselves to the Holy Spirit, have a relationship with the living God, and we study His Word, and the Holy Spirit can reveal His Word to us, we'll find out the truth. And it's not too difficult, really, because the truth is what's good for us. Amen? It's what's good for us. He wants us healed. That's what God wants. Amen? Did the Lord go around to anybody? I challenge you to show me this in the Scriptures and say, I don't want to heal you. Did He? On two occasions, He delayed the healing. On one occasion, He couldn't, not because He didn't want to. But you understand? Every time, even a centurion came to him. And remember, the centurion represented the oppressive government in their land. He was the police force that is opposing this demonstration, for example. And he says, my servant is sick. Did the Lord for one second say, um, I'll, I'll let me think about it. He was on his way. I'm coming. Amen? Didn't even consider it. Jairus. Now listen, the story of Jairus and his daughter, if you read between the lines, Jairus had a sick daughter for quite a long time. I suspect she had leukemia, because that leukemia slowly kills a person, and obviously it was coming to a head. Why did Jairus take so long? Can you tell me? I'll tell you why. Probably because he'd been told by his superiors have nothing to do with this man. Understand? So he's umming and ahhing. My daughter's sick. Everybody's getting healed, but I can't go to him. Eventually what happens? The love of the Father wins out. Please come. Probably kicking himself for not coming earlier. Especially when he hears that she's now dead. Oh no, I've blown it. But did the Lord say to him, Listen, Jairus, you've been standoffish to me for so long. Tough, tacky. Sort it out yourself. Did you find that in him? Not at all. Okay, so I'm just cutting to the point here. God wants us healed. Amen. So you see, we know the truth, but now what's so important, as I've said so many times, for that salvation to operate in your and my life, what have we got to find out? How must I go about it? Amen? What must I do? How must I go about appropriating this salvation that is mine? Because he died on the cross. And there are many different ways. It all depends where you and I are at. Amen? For some, it's a simple instruction. Go to the doctor as soon as you can. And trust God to bring you to the right man that will help you. Amen. Can range from that to you stand on faith and trust me to heal you. And wait until that healing takes place. Is everybody grasping this? It's so important. But you see, if we don't have the truth to start with, we can't have godly wisdom and we will not see salvation. Remember, salvation is godly, godly blessing in our lives. Do you know something? There's a counterfeit to God's blessing. Did you know that? There's a counterfeit. The devil has got this system and he's twisted it in the world system and made it counterfeit. That's why I'm talking about real salvation. Because the truth of the matter is most people walk around with what I'll call false salvation. They have happiness in their lives or success in their lives. But guess what? It's not based on the truth, and they haven't achieved it by godly wisdom. So they've got it in a worldly sense, but it's not true salvation. You see, the devil works in reverse. Amen? God says to you and I, find out the truth, find out the wisdom, enjoy the salvation. What does the devil do? Be blessed. Enjoy. 
Have it your way. Just have it easy. All right? Do you know why the Bible says, well, the Lord said, it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of the needle? Apparently there was a gate in Jerusalem that was very narrow. It was called the eye of the needle. Now I assume they didn't bother to put camels through because this didn't work. But he said for a rich man. Now why is that? Why is that? Let me explain it this way. You see, it's in all of us, this understanding of blessing. We all want to be blessed. We all want to have it good. Amen? Sorry, is there anybody who doesn't want to have it good? You don't go to university to suffer for the rest of your years, do you? For some, the university is sufficient suffering for the rest of your entire life. But <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is, you see, we have an understanding of being blessed, being healthy, have money and etc. Okay, you all understand that. Now you come to a person who's got these things, all right, and you say, would you like to know Jesus and get saved? And the answer in his heart is, well, why do I have to get saved? I'm happy. You understand? You will get that. I'm blessed. You see, because I'm blessed, I don't need anything else. All right? Now, here's the trick. Here's the danger. If that blessing is not based on the truth and God's wisdom, guess what's going to happen to it one day? <laughs> Go on. There is the wealth of the unrighteous. Did you know that? There's unrighteous riches, but there's godly wealth. They look the same on the outside, but they are completely different. Ungodly wealth has wings. It flaps its wings and it's gone. All right? It's gone. Godly wealth lasts forever. Forever. You see, what's the difference? The process. Paul's brother-in-law explained how he went to a certain gentleman in a certain part of another city. I'm keeping it deliberately vague because it's not a very good story, but... This gentleman had a business enterprise. And that business enterprise was based on graft. Do you know what I mean by graft? He had contacts in government departments. So, if, like Paul's brother-in-law, wanted to get his shady little bucky licensed, what did he have to do? Go to see this gentleman with his enterprise based on graft and hand over a few pieces of paper with certain animals on them and the man would make a plan. You understand? And he was doing very well. Thank you very much. All the Gauteng flocked to him to get their licenses the easy way. Alright? So, in a sense, the man's rolling. He's blessed. But is that godly blessing? Well, the story goes on, you see, and Paul's brother-in-law started to talk to him. And it comes out that, you know, the daughter's divorced. He's battling with sickness. And his wife doesn't want to talk to him. And, and, you understand? You see, that's not the blessing of God. Why? It's not based on the truth, which is God wants to bless him, and godly wisdom of how to attain that blessing. Do you see that? It's not. It's counterfeit, you see. And that's our struggle to try and encourage people not to neglect this great salvation. You take somebody who's involved with a strange religion, all right? Just work the process. For a start, they might say, I'm very peaceful. I'm very happy. I'm at one with the universe. 
there's peace in my life. I feed well. My family is happy. I'm happy. Everybody's happy. What's the problem? One day, ain't going to heaven, brother. Got a one-way ticket. What was the problem? His lifestyle and his belief system was not based on what? The truth. Amen? Am I right? Was not based on the truth. Jesus is the way. The only way. The door to the Father. No other entrance. You can come to him by no one else but by the Lord. Do you see that? So he's trying to contact the universe, which he thinks is God, based on a lie. Go through certain rituals, certain whatever they do, I don't know. You see? And he's done that religiously, and he's come to a place where he thinks he's blessed. But it's not true salvation. It's not true salvation. Amen? You see, true salvation touches every part of our lives. And that's the trick of the devil, to give people the counterfeit. How many people do we know? How many people do I know? Living a good life. Good life. Everything's going well. The education is provided fantastically for them. Doing what they like to do. Enjoying it. Seeing the fruit of it. But not based on the truth. What happens? Suddenly the facts come and hit them in the face. Prostrate cancer. Now the man's scrambling for, what do I do now? You understand? What was the big mistake? The truth is, he neglected this great salvation. You understand? Probably didn't understand it. Probably was never taught. But he neglected this great salvation. Amen? Neglected it. Took it for granted that because everything's hunky-dory, I must be doing it right. You see? If everything's going right and somebody comes and says you need something else, I don't need it because everything's going right. You see, psychologically, deep down, what my perception is must be true. Must be the truth. You understand? Don't even question it. Don't even ask what is truth. No need to. No need to ask, is my life based on truth? Don't even bother about it. Everything's going well, so it must be. Can you see the misunderstanding? You know, I can't afford that. I mean, you can't afford that. You've got to make sure that everything is based on a true understanding. What does God think about? We're going to a church and our lives are fine. Our lives are just going along hunky-dory. We never question whether what we are learning, what we are taught, is based on the word or is the truth. This is tragic. This is tragic. And good Christian people are going along, you see, and the thinking is, well, it's working for me, so I must be right. You can't tell me anything. You understand? Then what happened? Life comes along and smashes them in the face. Now what? Everything they've assumed was right doesn't help anymore. Doesn't help. Why? Not based on the truth and not accompanied with godly wisdom, you see. You build a lifestyle of divine health into your life. Pay the price to do that. Let me tell you something. Whatever sickness comes your way, you're ready for it. Amen? You're ready for it. You all understand what I'm saying. You know, I've got to build these truths into our lives, really. We've got to not neglect this great salvation. 
You've got to perceive what is true salvation. Amen? And grasp it with both hands. In every area. Relationship. Finances. Our purpose in life. Our soul man. Our spirit man predominantly. Our bodies. What is the truth? We have to consistently look at the Bible and say, what is the truth? What is the truth? What I'm called to do? What is the truth about it? I mean, God forbid anybody in this church comes to the end of their days and thinks, you know what? I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I mean, I'm here to challenge you. There's a purpose for every one of us that God has got. Doesn't mean you throw up your career, not necessarily. But understand the world's got a system, but God's got a system. Amen. And the world system is of value, yes, and not to be neglected. And the two can dovetail, they can coincide. Amen. But what is true salvation? True salvation will only come to you and I if we tap into exactly what God has called us to do. Amen. Whatever that may be. Whatever that may be. Doesn't mean wearing a dog collar and, you know, drinking tea with elderly ladies. But you understand, what is the truth? Challenge yourself in every area of life. Is my life based on the truth? Am I enjoying salvation in this area? Understand? And the truth is, brothers and sisters, if we are not enjoying salvation, what have we got to do? Back to the drawing board. Find out what the truth is. Find out what the process for us. Put it into practice and see God's salvation in every area of our lives, which is what he wants. Amen. Are you all grasping this? Be careful of the counterfeit is what I'm saying. Because things seem to be going well. Be cautious. It's not that God doesn't want things to go well, but going well is a true salvation. Am I in the place he wants me to be? Let's pray. Father God, I pray that every one of us would not neglect this great salvation. We take it with both hands, Lord, and work our lives around what you have for us, Lord, in every area that we'll be dissatisfied until we know that we know that what we have is of you and through you and by you and bringing life to us, Lord, and through bringing life to us, touching the world around us. Oh, Lord, may we be people that grab onto your salvation with both hands, not just the eternal destiny, but our lives on this earth, that they may count for something, Lord, and that we'll be big people. I speak that over every one of us. Full, whole, big People that affect and influence the world in which we live. In the wonderful name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen.